We have before us the opportunity to forge for ourselves and for future generations a new world order. This crusade, this war on terrorism, uh, is going to take a while. He came, he saw, he died. <laughs> we tortured some folks. And the pod has been parked. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show. It's episode 40 of Dave versus Goliath. We're officially over the hill. Uh, feeling old. Feeling like we're accomplished, though. Tom Wood says that you, uh, most podcasts only make it to, you know, seven or ten or so. Forty. That's an accomplishment. So can't believe we made it, but we did. So uh, if you're hearing this, please share the links on YouTube, on Facebook, wherever you see them. And if you're listening on Spotify and iTunes, please leave a nice review for your boy. Four or five stars. Nothing less than that. Anything less than that, we're fighting. Um, guys, tonight we got a real good one. Um, a returning guest. Not only, I don't think we've ever had anybody return even once, let alone for a third visit. Um, we'll get more into that in just a second. But uh, just some housekeeping here. Guys, go to wheeliespharmacy.com. It's W-H-E-E-O-L-Y-S, pharmacy like moo cows and pigs, pharmacy, F-A-R-M-A-C-Y.com for amazing CBD, uh, tinctures, pill, uh, capsules, lotions, teas, and more. Um, also, guys, that intro in the beginning that you caught there, that amazing ad with the Mises Caucus, uh, you might have caught your boy in there for a split second. Mike Heiss, Ron Paul, all the dudes up in there, made by uh, the great Dan Smots of The System Is Down, um, which I will be co-hosting on a weekly basis from here on out. So if Mondays isn't good enough for you and you want to hang out with Dan and I on Wednesdays, we do a daytime stuff. It's kind of like we're like uh, the dude's view. So it's like during the day. Uh, we do that 2 o'clock uh, Central Standard Time on Wednesdays. So come catch The System is Down. But tonight, ladies and gentlemen, we are with the chairman of the board, bringing back the boss man, my friend, Michael Heiss. What's up, brother? What is going on, man? How are you? Congrats on the new gig over there with uh, with Smots, man. That's awesome. Thank you, bro. I'll tell you what, man. Um, he's one of those guys that I hit it off with uh, right from the beginning. We had a lot in common, and uh, we were both getting banned from platforms like at the same exact time. And he had reached out, and uh, yeah, it was kind of um, just right from the beginning, man. We we uh, we have a lot in common, and uh, he came out to Delaware, slept on my couch, met my dog and my girl, and. So yeah, we're like, you know, we're growing it up. It's Facebook, Facebook official at this. It's point. a great dog too. Yeah, she really is. Right, <laughs> uh, I love her. Um, but what's up with you, man? You know, first and foremost, let's get to the the best news. You're going to be a dad. Yeah, man. 
Yeah, we actually uh, just passed the uh, halfway point to to the launch date on on the little guy uh, and went and saw him today. So, yeah, that's oh all so far. All everything's healthy. Everything's looking good, man. Um, we're we're really excited. I, you might just, catch me. You might once once the baby's here. You might because I'm the kind of dude that like a I'm on the phone all the time and b I pace around when I'm on the phone. So you're probably gonna like catch me walking around town with like a little dude strapped to me. It's it's gonna be one of those. I can't wait to see it, dude. And I, your cat's around all the time. You let your cat on the tail. I imagine there's going to be babies crawling all over the place, and that will be great, man. Really, that's congratulations to you and Emily. It's just, um, I know you know you've been a little public with the the journey to get there, and um, I know you know everybody who is your friend and uh, who loves you is really excited for you. And you're going to be a great dad, bro. I hope, man. <laughs> I'm going to try. <laughs> Yeah, he's he's not watching these new cartoons. I can tell you that much. He's oh he's, my gonna, he's, he's coming up on Terminator and shit like I did. I'll tell you what. Speaking of Terminator, <laughs> just funny you mentioned that Dan Smots and I are going to do a. It's, we're going to have like some kind of movie night because he grew up in a super evangelical household. He's never seen any movies, including any Terminators. He's never seen any Rocky movies. He's never seen Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I couldn't believe it. I was going down this list. So uh, we're going to have some fun with that. Like when kids do reaction videos of like music from the 80s, it'll be like that. But for this for this guy, <laughs> I might have to I might have to join you for that because T2 is like one of my favorite movies, man. Like the original Terminator is a good action movie, but T2 is a good movie. Like that movie is, is a piece of art. It's fantastic. Um, James Cameron has really fallen. Since 1991, <laughs> man, it didn't. Re- I'll tell you what. When that soundtrack came out with "You Could Be Mine," Guns and Roses, and the dirt bike and everything, and that, I mean, I wanted to grow my mullet. I wanted the jean jacket, and fucking tearing up the streets. Uh, the line of the cops is saving the world. You know that meme. I'm so glad that that survived. And yeah, <laughs> it's beautiful. Um. So yeah, man. Congratulations on that. I just think that that's um, that's great, and uh, everything's gonna change. And maybe you know. Just, a few short months for you bro but uh it'll be great yeah right around june june 8th that's the uh that's the launch date man so that's pretty much like a year from uh the great takeover that we had this past may man yeah man um so we worked really hard at that for that was a five-year plan that we executed it was beautiful i told you recently i was like yo man i don't think we've properly partied and celebrated that and you were just like there's no time for that and i was just like good call there it really isn't you know you can't yeah, no man i'm can better than ever back man day. i know you are and like you said always on the horn um making moves but uh how do you think the lp is doing for the first you know it's only been eight months i'm not gonna nick gillespie you and say if you don't <laughs> succeed in the next one year would you consider it a failure you know but what do you think uh how do you think they're doing i think it's doing good man i i mean when you look at like membership compared to where it was at this point of the last presidential cycle, the membership is up. Um, you know, there's been some expected hiccups, you know, like there was the, uh, the disillusion as they called it, which is total nonsense of, uh, the libertarian party of Virginia. So like they saw the writing on the wall for their state party and, you know, claimed to have dissolved the party. Um, and then that's been completely reversed, including by the secretary of state. Like that's something that's not even talked about is, I won't get into all the details, but like they didn't dissolve the party. They they dissolved some corporate designation that ultimately didn't matter, which then got restored by the secretary of state upon review of the facts of what happened there. So, like, you know, you had that. There's a bunch of nonsense going on in Michigan right now 
um, you know, to, to have it, uh, I think their second illegitimate online convention, which is against the bylaws with, uh, less like not enough notice for the second time. Like, so, you know, that, that kind of stuff, there's a little bit of that. I think we're on the other side of most of that. You know, there was some turnover on the staff, you know, and, and I think that's to be expected. I mean, when um, the, the change in leadership represented more than just like a, a change of staff, it, cha- it, it represented a change in vision for the party and strategy for the party. So I think it was expected that you would have some turnover on the staff. So, you know, that's pretty much all turned around now. Um, you know, they got the Rage Against War uh, uh, rally coming up, rageagainstwar.com. That's, uh, oh, you're going to have to look up the date on that one. I think it's February 19th. February 19th. That's a Sunday, yeah. which is weird. Figure, I feel like Saturday would have been better, but whatever. I'm going to make it down for a Sunday. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that's going to be great. We got uh, Jimmy Dore, Scott Horton. Um, do you know who else is? Oh, Medea Benjamin. I love her. Code Pink. Yeah, Medea Benjamin. Uh, I think Daniel McAdams might be coming out um, as well. Um yeah, there's gonna be a bunch of people, man. And I'm seeing buses coming from Florida, come, buses coming from PA. Like, I, th- I think there might be a solid crowd here. And yeah. like I said, like libertarians need to come out because this is a coalition event with with some progressives, and they will come out. <laughs> See what I mean? So like, yeah, we absolutely. can't let it be a, a progressive washout. We gotta we gotta show up and and rep the party and rep what we're about and and you know rep peace. Yeah. Well, dude, I'm absolutely with you. This is what I've been asking. This is what we've been asking for. I want, you know, like I said, Medea Benjamin and those Code Pink ladies have been putting their bodies on the line for forever since the Bush regime. It's like, I know you've been out in a couple things that last, that one video that um, News to Share put out. You were out in the streets a couple years ago. I think it was like a women's march or something like that. But that was no, an anti-war march. Okay, excuse me. Um, but there were no, not a real libertarian uh, presence there. Like it was... You and some other people, I think that was your sentiment that we need more libertarians in the streets. So I think just for a short, you know, not even one year in the attempt to put on a meaningful anti-war rally uh, in Washington, D.C. is huge. That's a great sign. I've noticed, man, um, I'm loving. I'm so grateful for the the messaging I'm getting out of national and my local libertarian party against the World Economic Forum. I feel like a year yep. or two ago, we wouldn't have seen any of that. And no, they they are, I mean, I'm talking about, we can name some names, you know, locally, whatever. But um, the guys who, Dave Benner, I don't know who else, uh, Cool Reed, right? Uh, Reed Cool. Runs the Twitter. Runs yep. the Twitter. Those guys are doing a really great job. Um, up many, many thousands of follows and uh, just really kind of like hitting the hitting home, like what needs to be driven home and they're at dude i'll get notice that they're like tweeting at the cia like the, yeah. the old regime would have never done that yeah no they're they're actually using the social media strategically now and they're actually using it to represent libertarian principles not necessarily be politicians so like you know we actually have like messaging out there in the ether that we can be proud of and we can get behind and we can, you know, use to start conversations with. That's a big one. And then because of all these like little tantrums on the way out from the old guard or whatever, um, you know, there's a lot that I think is in the pipeline that they, you know, are just now starting to get to, you know, I don't think we've seen what the um, membership recruitment campaign is going to be yet. I don't think we've seen the, what you might call membership incentive programs yet. You know, I, I think there's still a lot more to come. Um, that, you know, it's only just recently that all the staff got turned around, you know, like that's been an ongoing process. Um, 
So, yeah, I mean, we've got good messaging. We've got events. Um, and then, you know, the caucus has put out a political strategy. You know, we can get to that. And, and you know, that's what they said we would never do, right? Like, oh, they don't care about elections or whatever. But, um, you know, it was it, we're, we're kind of doing a 360 full spectrum attack here from, you know, culture and politics and the community. Yeah. Well, let's get to that. Yeah. The 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 pitch before. And it, it was a great one. Was the three prong strategy of the Mises Caucus, and that was the intraparty activism to kind of turn the party around. And that was the issue coalitions with outside groups that you could find common ground with, and running local level candidates. Correct. Yep. Issue coalitions, intraparty activism, and uh, uh, candidates, local right. candidates. So you were alluding to a fourth prong come into into play, and what is that about? So it actually is already in the platform and our platform has been updated. So um, it's out there, but we added one more to it and we're not going to be adding any more. We should be good for quite some time now. But uh, the fourth one is Liberty Culture, Um, you know, and and that can kind of take on a a wide, a wide meaning here. But um, essentially, it's on one hand, it's the community aspect of the of the caucus itself, you know, making sure that people are getting together in real life, forming bonds you know, could be just going out bowling, could be doing a soup kitchen, going and catching a movie or just having a, a, a game night or a party on their own, you know, just kind of building and strengthening those bonds within the community of the, the caucus itself. Um, and then kind of in the wider context, it's, you know, the culture, generally speaking, in, in America, you know, it's it's forming relationships with people with platforms, trying doing everything we can to get a voice, our voice out there, because, you know, I, I don't think I think there's a lot of people who still haven't caught up to how unprecedented of a situation that we're in right now when it comes to, um, you know, the new media and, and our ability to reach people and reach people in long format and, and um, build our own identity out in the public that's never existed before. And, um, you know, it's 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 a very decentralized thing now. I mean, you got Joe Rogan with 12 million, but there's all kinds of podcasters out there who might have, you know, 500,000 followers or subscribers here and then a million subscribers over there. And it's like just this patchwork, um, you know, that that we're starting to tap into. And, you know, that is another new thing that's happening, you know, with with the caucuses. And and I think the party generally is we are now going on the offensive and building relationships with, you know, people with their own followings who really ought to be with us anyway, and then bringing them in. You know, Iraq veteran 88 or 8888, he just joined the party. I had a great phone call with him, um, you know, and and shot him over to uh, staff over at the LP, connected with them. You know, he feels very welcome. Mark Lobiner from uh, Tiger Fitness, you know, he recently just came in, same thing. Uh, Jeff Charles over at Red State Newsmax, um, you know, he just came in and like, there's, there's a lot of this going on and it's an ongoing effort. And I think the more that this happens, it's going to be a snowball because these guys have friends and now they're the first, maybe they're the first ones within their network to go ahead and take the leap. So now it's going to be okay for other people. And the more this happens, you know, it's, it's going to just kind of roll out of control. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where you're going to see, you know, the membership come from and, and all of that. I, I absolutely believe that. Um, let's see. Uh, do you think, I think our, I don't want to say enemies, but maybe our competitors might be aware of that early. I was kind of shocked at how quickly people went on the uh, outside of our libertarian sphere, went on the offensive, uh, 
towards the party and the Mises caucus first coming from like the Southern poverty law center and like things that you could, (laughs) right. Sure. Like you could expect that, but man, they put together some really like military grade propaganda and hit pieces on like boom. right out of the gate. pretty low brow. Honestly, I didn't think it was military. It wasn't very effective at all. Well, that's propaganda. Yeah. But you know what, man, that reaches a lot of people. And I just mean that, yo, they got some nice graphic designers working from them that put your face in there with Jeremy Kaufman and making it, you know, look a certain but even that, certain dude, the, the picture that was on, I, I actually love that. Cause the, it, it's, it's painting me as a hate leader. Right. And then like the picture is something like this, like, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? Like, and it's like, this is the face of hate. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know I, what I mean, like the scrunchy yeah. eye smiley guy, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's, that's the hate monger of, of today's America. These people really are the worst. And I wonder oftentimes, <laughs> like, do, do they know, and it can go from like the levels of the SPLC to like down to like Reason Magazine. Like, do you, when you say, hey, there are, there are people that think that you're a bigot, like, do you believe that or are you saying that because you're trying to put forth a certain narrative? So I'm going to play a quick uh, clip and we're going to talk about it. Is the Libertarian Party open to bigots and racists? Technically speaking, you can you can have whatever thoughts you want. You can't violate the nap, though. Okay, that yeah. doesn't mean that it's a good thing or that you have no. to accept it. Because, again, we have to be accepting of people's standards, even if they're mm-hmm. controversial or we might not like them. But libertarianism isn't about wrong think. It's about non-aggression, self-ownership, mm-hmm. and, the property, and property rights. Mm. Boom. I mean, clear, concise, factual. But yet still, that information is hard for some people to grasp. Or maybe it's like, mm, I don't know, like the Times... But that somehow gets um, misinterpreted to Mike Heiss and the Mises Caucus are welcoming of bigots, like they like they want to create a pipeline to get all the bigots in or something, just because of what you said, which makes absolute sense. Like you, we are not here to police your thoughts. Well, there's this. Some people want to make libertarianism out to be something more than it is. Um, they want to make it out to be a guide to life and, and like a, a full-spectrum worldview when it's not. It's a political and legal theory. You know what I mean? Like, and it's, it's a political and legal philosophy. There's a lot of things that, that comprise life and comprise human experience that it doesn't really account for, like culture or, or uh, certain aspects of, aspects of uh, ethics or, you know, basically everything outside of the appropriate use of force and, and self-ownership and property rights. You know what I mean? Like right. it's, it's a baseline of how to think about aggression and that's it. There's so much mm-hmm. to life that's outside of that. And, and people try to take, make it into something else so that they can moralize and, and browbeat and, and all of this stuff when, you know, like, am I saying, okay, I want everybody to be an asshole? No, but like, whether you're an asshole or not is not does not it's not the thing that makes you a libertarian or not a libertarian. You know, no. but but uh, ideologues want to, you know, basically. It, 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 I honestly, I think it's it's um kind of an authoritarian impulse, and they don't they don't understand it to use ideology to try to shape man in the image of your ideal within that ideology. Um, you know, that is that is a uh, that that never works. Right. Why, why is the overlap of the same people who would do that? Are there, are there the same people who would say, we have to arm the Ukrainians because they are, uh, their liberty is under assault from a tyrant. So we need to play this role. Doesn't it seem like that? Those are the same people. It's the same people. I mean, on one hand, like, 
yeah, I get it. Putin invaded and that was an aggressive action and there's a lot of death and destruction and that's true. But like, it's so much more nuanced than that for like all of the factors that led up to this, what is now keeping the war going when it shouldn't even be going anymore. Like, and it's, it's, it's the old like blue pill thing. It's, it's, this is exactly what characterized the, the Jorgensen thing where, they might espouse libertarian principles, but they will never buck the narrative that is animating the taking away of our rights. And people act out the premise that like, they don't act out the premise that they like have a set of, of uh, a cohesive and coherent and, and consistent set of values and then form conclusions off that. And like, uh, act that out. They basically bite on the narrative first. There, there's something that grabs them, that, and then they f- form the principles around that. Which is why we have to get, like, we have to nail the narrative in, in order to capture people. It's, it's, you know, we have to tell a good story. You know, that's what people respond to on a psychological level. Um, and and they don't seem to get that. Like, they just want to echo. Well, I, I guess in some sense they do get that because what they're attempting to do is to echo what they feel is the safe narrative or the safe story so that maybe our principles will be safe behind that. But it's the complete opposite. It makes it so that we're easily dismissible because we're upholding the same narrative that the status quo is projecting. And, you know, they have all the power. So, eh, you know. Right. Um, and I'm I'm going to bring up reason multiple times throughout our talk tonight because I'm really fascinated with these guys. Um, obviously I'm not punching down. They're like the biggest name in libertarianism, which I I don't agree with that. Okay. We, we could get more into that. Um, but for instance, Mike, when I was doing research for the show, when you go to YouTube and you type Mises caucus, like the first thing that comes up is your YouTube page, but then Mm -hmm. the next, all the material that comes down is reason magazines content on you guys. Cause it gets so many hits cause they have so much of a following. So that's cool because it's highly produced. And honestly, they can't make you look bad. They've it looks to me like they've tried multiple times. Oh yeah. This, this last <laughs> time was one of the most blatant. Nick Gillespie should be absolutely ashamed of himself. When he couldn't get you to say anything in that most recent interview, uh anything outrageous, he was like, just just tell me the most outrageous thing that you would say, and then we'll get it on record. <laughs> it's like, okay, like come on, bro. Is that is that really where you're at? Your profile says journalist. Come on. You're better than that. Um Maybe, <laughs> but, um, I really liked you. They were talking, they tried to hit you with the New Hampshire stuff, which anybody who wants to, sh- whatever, shit on the Mises caucus will go, look what New Hampshire did. And, uh, I'm talking about, you know, this is inside baseball, but they got two- but I just want to say one thing about New Hampshire before you get into that, because nobody else, nobody else is going to say this new, uh, New Hampshire libertarians, both Republican libertarians and LP libertarians, Mises caucus libertarians just had the most successful committee meeting for defend the guard that has been had for defend the guard. And, and our people were there and spoke. And, you know, I've talked to, um, Diego over at defend the guard about it. And like, they're really excited and they, they think this could really happen in New Hampshire. So, you know, you're not going to hear about that. You know, you're not you're not going to hear no. about that. You'll just hear about well, you know, they they tweeted something a couple times or once. Or absolutely, anyway, keep, go ahead. No, sure, and I'm not coming down on New Hampshire. It's like because you and I, even if we are like, ah, that, that wouldn't be something that I would tweet. You and I aren't going to bitch and moan or t- yell or say that should be taken down. Or you represent everybody like that's just ridiculous. But they gave you grief that you. <laughs> I thought it was funny. Um, they said you should feel empathy for Megan McCain. <laughs> and and you just went, whoa, 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 whoa. So like, wait a second. Uh, empathy for who? Megan McCain? Like the look on your face was just like, 
that's guys, I'll hear you out all day, but that's just ridiculous. I don't, I don't have empathy for Megan McCain. And, uh, the guy on the right, you know, proceeds to go, well, you're a human being, Mike. It's like, yeah, but libertarianism isn't about empathy. It's about property rights, not aggression. These things, you know, you just went over. And right. I'm, I'm, I have empathy for people who are getting screwed by the state. And where's the, that's what you said. Where's the valve for this? How do we, how do we yell at these people? If it is, yeah, how are you supposed to be polite about the genocides? How do you do that? I kindly ask you to stop all the murder, sir. Yeah. Like what the, what are you talking about here? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, cause, and, and, and I could understand it if there was anywhere in society for that conversation to be had, but there isn't. And, you know, right. these are the same people who will echo like, um, you know, those who make peaceful, uh, uh, revolution i forget the exact terms but those who make peaceful change uh impossible make revolution necessary or something like that i'm butchering it a little bit but you get the sentiment they'll say that because jfk mm-hmm. said it or or you know riots are the language of the unheard from mlk when when it suits their narrative or the narrative mm-hmm. that they're echoing but then when it's libertarian say like you know basically saying i i don't really uh um i don't really have empathy for this chick who is who put that photo herself out into the public and, and uh, like used her father many, many times as for a photo. I mean, dude, she has a picture of her book propped up against the grave of her father that she promoted. And, and again, you know what? I would actually agree with reason on this. If Megan McCain was like a dentist somewhere or something right, like just right. a civilian, right. but like this chick's on the view, she's out there advocating for war. She's in the mix. She's on the chessboard. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's fair game. Yeah. Absolutely, it is. I couldn't agree with you more. I love the way that you handled that because um, it's it's a criticism that the caucus gets a lot. I get this a lot, um, but that we're just shit posting and that we just like to say stuff to like be outrageous. It's like I really don't like I, dude. You and I are just like some dudes. We just like hanging out, being friendly. <laughs> we're loyal to our friends and our you know like. But yeah, if you get on our, ba- I mean, I go after my enemies, or if I feel like you know. <laughs> Some institution that calls itself libertarian wants to like you know call us racist alt right stuff like that really that really really bothers me. Um, yeah. So they went on after that and said, "Well, you guys are guilty of this and shit posting." And would Ron Paul shit post? Check this no, out. No, Ron Paul. The one thing that is amazing about him as an individual is like uh, you know there are people around him. There's the newsletters in the past, etc. But when he was on the national stage, you know. For- we got to rewind that back because I want everybody to see Mike's eye roll <laughs> when he tells him about the newsletters. Here we go. No, one more Ron time. Paul, the one thing that is amazing about him as an individual is like, uh, you know, there are people around him. There's the newsletters in the past, et cetera. But when he was on the national stage, you know, from two, th- you know, really in the 21st century on, you never heard he he's the opposite of a troll. Right. He mm-hmm. never spoke poorly of anybody in front of him, et cetera. And I mean, is there a is that part of his appeal that he I think spoke- I, I think so. And I know where you're going with that. Um, but I also think that we're in a different time. I also think that uh, the libertarian movement and especially people within the Mises sphere are much younger. And so I would <laughs> I, I would say go back and look at 1988, Ron Paul, where, you know, he basically yeah. said, you know, uh, there, there was one guy who was basically saying, you know, we, we have to have the government enforce morality in terms of drug use. And I mean, he didn't use these words, but he essentially said, well, maybe the government should put your fat ass on a diet. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and, and so, you know, I think, uh, we got Ron Paul, the grandfather and, um, maybe not Ron Paul, the, 
the beast athlete from back in the day. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> Nick Gillespie thinks he's hitting you with a gotcha journalism moment every time. And then you just like hit him with some like, just like calm truth. It's like, bro, that was, that was raw. This is us. We're young men. We go hard. Or Jeff, Jeff Douglas was like Ron Pauling from Philly. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Like, <laughs> right. Oh, Ron Paul doesn't do that. So shouldn't everybody that you know be exactly like, bro, come on, bro. I mean, it's just, it's pretty ridiculous. Um, and like I said, Gillespie, I'm coming for that leather jacket. I'm coming for your whole magazine. <laughs> I'm fucking taking it, taking it over. <laughs> um, but we're not getting just uh, – we started to talk about the attacks that came in Southern Poverty Law Center. Obviously, Reason Magazine is on – you know, they listen to some garbage. Um, but also, everybody's been talking about Stephen Crowder and the Daily Wire over the past you know week or so because, you know, maybe somebody got a raw deal or maybe somebody didn't and they're just being a bitch about it or whatever. But um, both of those camps took aim at the Libertarian Party recently. And I thought, I mean, even Dave Smith's done some episodes on it, but Crowder went as far as to have Alex Jones on his show. And, you know, I'm not really a libertarian anymore. They're doing, they're doing the motion. Um, Do you have any thoughts on that? Like, you know, screw their, their deal. Um, Do you see anything that's significant about conservative Inc. going after the libertarian party? So, so quickly post reset. Oh, I I mean, I, I think it's typical. I, I, I sure certainly expected it um, because it's kind of, I said the same concept on reason. And I think it has to do with this is, is um, I think we are in competition with the dissident right in a way that we're not with the left. Us and the dissident right are basically in agreement with, with about the left. You know what I mean? Like the left has already won the culture war. They've, they've incre- like they're winning the political war. Um, you know, they should have been repudiated in the midterms. They weren't. Um, so us and the dissident right, I think, agree on that. And we can work together on that. However, we're in competition about what to do about the fact that the left has taken over all the institutions and they're, they're never losing anymore. And, you know, like all of that. Um, so I, I think they saw this change. At, excuse me. And, and um, you know, it's, it's a threat to them in the narrative realm. We're not a threat in the political realm, not yet. But again, we now have access to people in a way that we have never had. We have access to, to you know, tell our story, to tell our principles, to tell, to give our takes. You know, look at Tim Pool. Tim Pool has, uh, you know, probably a Greg Gutfeld like audience. And there's probably isn't a platform in existence. Say what you want about Tim, but there probably isn't a, a platform in existence that's that big that has that like that consistently gives. Uh, voice to libertarian principles and libertarians mm-hmm. the way that Tim Pool does for two, three hours at a time. Um, and, and I think that is a danger to them because if, if, if politics is downstream from culture and we are now have uh, access to the culture in a way that we never have before and it's new, then that means that if, if, if there's any heft to what we have to say, if there's any truth, any resonance to what we have to say, then that is going to cause change. So they have to suppress that because that's all they know how to do. Um, you know, and it wasn't just Alex Jones and Crowder. It was, it was Prager. It was, um, it was a few of them. And I can tell you mm-hmm. right now that, um, you know, I, I, I won't say who would set this up, but there was one point where there was a, a verbal agreement, uh, apparently in place for Charlie Kirk to do a debate with a libertarian. Um, and you know, I was approached with, uh, about that to see if Dave would want to do it. 
Dave agreed. And then all of a sudden it was, oh, look at the time, you know, and, you know, uh, that fell through. Whereas if I'm willing to bet, if I came back and said, well, you know, Joe Jorgensen is down to debate uh, 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 Charlie Kirk, you know, it would have been, all right, let's do it this weekend. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. Um, dude, you know who you should debate? Sam Cedar. That guy was talking shit on the caucus. I almost pulled that up, but I was like, no. Nah, oh, on the caucus itself? Well, the ca- the party, the caucus. Somebody called into his show. It was like a six-minute clip, and it was maybe six months ago after the takeover. And he was oh, yeah, yeah, I heard a little bit about it. Yeah, I heard a little bit about it. Um, but was very upset about removing the bigotry plank. And um, I think w- actually well, mentioned – Was he a libertarian? People. No, no, no. He's a hard yeah, well, left. Well, this is the guy, if you don't know, this is, I, I believe, Dave Smith's first public debate. And when he did it, he probably – I think he would tell you was under unprepared. Dave and, Dave has publicly said he's lost that debate. Right. Yeah. But I'm telling you, well, Dave should go back. I feel like Dave's been on – he went fucking Rocky mode after that. He's been knocking out jive turkeys, you know, like left and right for the past like three or four or five years on behalf of the caucus. But you should probably maybe debate that guy. That would be – you would just fucking smash him, dude. And he's such a pompous prick. Um, way worse than anybody from Reason. Don't so don't get mad at me, Nick Gillespie. I want to debate you. Um, well, here's the thing: Sam Cedar is is a leftist, right? So like he doesn't even claim to be a libertarian, and I think that's where the tension with reason is. Is you know you would even said it yourself it, that um, reason. Well, you think that reason kind of represents a lot of uh, a lot of libertarians, and I think that's the cause of the tension there. Is that you know we have taken over the libertarian party with this kind of grassroots uh kind of blue collar young energetic not giving a fuck type of energy um and and they want to be polite and and whatever you want to call it like politically correct right. and um you know so they kind of tow the progressive narrative while trying to put libertarian principles into that progressive narrative um, and I think that's where the tension is, is because Sam Cedar, I don't really care if he, if he's upset that we removed the abortion plank. He's not even claiming no, to be a no. libertarian. I just, I want so. you to go on there and get on his 1.7 million follows and destroy that idiot. Um, that's all. But, um, yeah, enough of that. Um, back just really quick. I have two tweets from Ben Shapiro cause I did pull them up. We were talking about him. <laughs> this is from, uh, 2011. No, no, this is 2016. As per your silly request, here are 20 alt-right friendly or alt-right people slash outlets. And uh, definitely lists Ron Paul on that list of alt-right assets. Here's another one from Ben Shapiro from 2011. I think he was watching Ron Paul in a debate. Ron Paul is manifestly insane. As in previous debates, he's now gripping the pen as he would the neck of a Jew. That's what he said and still hasn't erased that tweet. So I'm just saying, if anybody thinks that Ben Shapiro is your ally or that guy's doing anything for liberty or even the Constitution or whatever you're into on that side, that guy's a complete and total fraud and you should you know, consider giving your money to somebody else. That's what I would say. Yeah, I, I, I will say I, uh, I'm not happy that they were able to grab up Jordan. That hurts. I mean, I know we've talked about this. We're not going to, you know, he's extremely valuable i'm not going to knock him down because he signed a deal um and talks politics i'd rather he didn't but it's like whatever you know doesn't take away from the stuff that you've done i blame us in a sense i i blame us because i think there was a big opportunity and and to be fair i think there still is a big opportunity Mm -hmm. um you know 
Jordan, I gave him a copy of Choice by Bob Murphy. Not long after that, he has Bob Murphy on the show. He has Safadine Amus on the show. He has uh, this Bitcoin pa- panel that might as well have been an Austrian discussion. Um, you know, he's been on the What Is Money podcast with Robert uh, Breedlove. Uh, he's been on Michael Malice's podcast. Um, he's friendly with uh, with Michael Rechtenwald. Like, there's a lot of hooks that we have in him. But he was openly saying, "Oh, I'm interested in the Austrian school," and um, you know, I don't think that was pounced on enough by by uh, anybody who had the capability of pouncing on that. You know yeah. what I mean? Like to to kind of why like there should have been an event with him at it the next month when yep. he said that um, to, and who knows how we could have influenced him because I basically, my theory is I've watched so much uh, Jordan Peterson that I've noticed that he uses a very similar, what you might call a priori logically deductive argumentation style to describe um, psychic phenomena the way that we describe the, the business cycle. And so I started piecing this together of like, if he's presented with this stuff, he's going to, it's going to click for him. Like he's going to get it. And that seems to be what started happening with the, with the Austrian stuff. And I don't think he forgot it. So, you know, I'm not going to give up on him. I will say that, like I said, in the reason uh, interview that I think he's a little bit of a, a fish out of water. The, um, the more and more he goes into politics, um, you know, in the past, he's kind of always displayed a, an extreme skepticism of, of, of politics and, and political ideology and, and all of that. So, like, you know, I think there's a lot of ground to work with there. He's to the extent that he's politically labeled himself. He's always identified as a classical liberal. Um, so that's that's close enough. Um, right. I just think most people were attracted to him probably in that 2016 to 2019 timeframe when he had the Bible lectures, when the bill C 16 thing was going on, you know, he had an unprecedented run of like hostile interviews where he was just destroying everybody in front of him. but it wasn't political. It was, it was a lot more about like responsibility and what you might call the phenomenology of responsibility uh, on the human experience and like what acting that out does, how it imbues your life with meaning and, and how that, you know, positively affects your life. And I think a lot of young people uh, responded to that. I think a lot of really damaged and, and lost people respond, responded to that. And, um, you know, he's done a lot of good. But as I said in the Reason interview, if Jordan Peterson can become a cultural phenomenon across the world, really, uh, on a message, a core message of personal responsibility, personal responsibility is the other side, the, the other side of the coin of liberty. It's axiomatic to liberty. Mm-hmm. So, that to me was a huge white pill that we can, we can do that too. We just have to tell the story. You know, we have to tell a good story. Is that something that the libertarian party should be doing or that's really the, up to the culture? Is what something the libertarian party should do? Um, like the, the other side of the coin. Like really it is about the legal philosophy. It is about just, you know, it is kind of cold, right? But no, it's, it's politics. And, and po- so po- part of politics is the, the, the art of persuasion, you know, like, and, yeah, sure. and all of that. So, and, and if you're, if you're engaging in politics, you're engaging in marketing, you're engaging in sales, essentially sales of ideas. Uh, and, and no, I, I think we have to engage in that because again, we're not going to have political success until more and more people are thinking and caring about liberty. Agreed. So it's up to us to figure out how to penetrate and make that happen, which is not political. Like that endeavor is not 
per se political. It can have political outcomes, but this is something that, you know, the the blue pill or whatever you want to call them don't don't really understand. I couldn't believe you I thought this was so ballsy <laughs> because it's so talk about politics and you know persuading people. At some point in that most recent reason interview, you were like, "Oh yeah, like this is a 20-year plan." <laughs> and I was like, "Oh shit, he just gave away the truth that this is not going to be fixed." in like two years or four years, you know what I mean? It's yeah. just, it just isn't. And I don't think that most people as Ron Paul, but I believe call them, most people are sunshine Patriots. Like it's when it's easy, I'll show up. And if it's a really, that sounds hard, 20 years, big commitment. You know what I'm saying? That was really bold. And I, I appreciated it because I don't like being lied to. And this is, well, that's, something. that's a big part of the response that I've gotten ever since we've released the whole project decentralized revolution strategy document is, People are refreshed that we're telling the truth because here's the thing. No matter how many times we lie about, well, well, you know, maybe we'll get 12% of the matching funds this year. And like, here's the, here's the big secret. Nobody believes it. No matter how well we think we're lying, nobody believes it. So we might as well tell the truth anyway, you know, like, and, and, um, I think that's going to draw a more response, a bigger response. And, and again, people, certain people are looking at this as a primarily political endeavor that, that, that the, like the political nature of it is the, the, what you might call the primary value. Um, whereas, so it's like, well, if you say that you're not going to attract votes and I'm like, yeah, you might not, maybe, but we weren't attracting votes anyway, because nobody believes you're winning Senate and you're not winning Senate. So their belief is foundation in fact. Um, but you will attract the right people. And the that's people what we that, need, the remnant. The yeah. people that will stay with you. Gary Johnson, 4.3 million votes, highest vote total ever. No lasting movement, no return on investment on those votes. They didn't stay because they weren't what you might call true believers. They didn't feel it in their bones. You know, it, it didn't have that same animation to it that the Ron Paul thing. You know, why is there no cultural Rand Paul movement that lasts? Why is there no cultural Gary Johnson movement that has last? But there is a Ron Paul revolution that lasts to this day. I think we need to learn from that and learn what the implication for, from that is. Heiss says his strategy is working, pointing to the 37 state party affiliates that the Mises caucus had taken control of prior to the convention. We have a joke that we talk about amongst the board here in the caucus, and that is that every state that we have fucked ends up loving this dick. I love that joke. I would have cut it maybe 15 minutes or 15 seconds earlier, but I had to let that joke it out. Um, that one's for Carol Moore, baby. Love it. Um <laughs> I love that, though. I mean, and you really do lay it out, though, man. It's like this should not be a jobs program for political science majors to hop in and just do a thing and raise some money for somebody who pops in for a couple months. And then, you know, like that's what it has been. But if you are interested in a 20 year plan, a long term strategy for a party that has been ineffective for 50 years, like I know that sucks, but like you have to change the, of course. the direction at, at yeah. some point, right? You got to go, you got to cut your losses. Okay. By the end of this century <laughs> of a party, right. we're, we're going to do something different. So probably a good time, man. Let's talk about the next step. Um, the next episode, if you will, of the decentralized revolution, what's going on. I know you're doing a multi-city tour. You yep. and, um, Aaron Harris, I believe if there's anybody else, let me know, but you guys put together. Dave Hines. Yep. Dave Hines put out a beautiful, can I use the word manifesto or is that too loaded? <laughs> no, I, I call it our strategic manifesto. Yeah, great. Um, that's that's perfect, and it's it's beautiful. I'm going to read it again, but um, 
the takeaway I got from, again, was the brutal honesty of it. I just really appreciated it. And um, let's talk about that a little bit, man. We can start with the, with the tour or we can start with the, the basic strategy, whatever you think. So the basic strategy is we're going local. And, and the first half of that document is, as you're describing, it's, it's not even strategy per se. It's we can't even lay out a strategy until we get honest with ourselves about all the ways that we fucked up. And, and where we're failing and how we're failing and like ex- and taking responsibility for it because we have failed. You know what I mean? Like and, and, and like that stings, but that's the truth. And you cannot grow until you accept those things, burn the dead wood off and then let the, let the healthy husk grow. And that's what we have to do. Um, so I think it, it, to, to put it in, in a short way. I think the biggest mistake that we have made is that we have spent the past 50 years more or less in our like focus, not to say that nobody's running for local office, but the focus has always been, well, how do we get in the debates? We have to get in the debates. How are we going to get 5%? How are we going to get matching funds? Blah, blah, blah. And, and you know, how are we going to get ballot access for 50 states and, and all this stuff? Whereas if we spent 50 years burrowing in at the community level where we can gain trust, who knows where we'd be right now? Mm-hmm. You know, like like we might actually have a senator after 50 years at this point if instead if, if the trajectory was because think about this from from the perspective of normal people who were not in our world and, and, and not thinking the way that we do as far as they can tell. And I have this in the document, but like as far as they can tell, they never see us. They never hear from us. They don't know who we are. They don't think we're doing anything. Like, and, and then we'll come in for governor's races or presidential races and Senate races that will come into their races and then fuck them up, you know, like, and we'll, we'll fuck up their races and then they'll just get pissed at us and, and, oh, you're never going to win. You're just here to be a spoiler and blah, 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 blah. And, you know, I, I do think that we have to embrace the spoiler thing when it happens because we, we have to raise the specter of us being a threat, you know, like, and I'll get to that in a second, but, but, um, imagine if, the trajectory was okay. You, you've got the, the the clarion call for the messaging. Um, you've got the 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 principles. You're excited about the ideas. Great. Start going to your city council meetings. You know, clean up like clean up your backyard. Do something libertarian that other people in your community want to see happen. You know, whether it be a gun sanctuary, whether it be drug decriminalization, whether it be uh, banning the warrantless use of surveillance technology, whatever it might be. And there's a lot of shit that it could be. Um, under the 10th amendment, um, you know, and you start actually getting gains for Liberty that people in the community want. And now you have trust with those people. And imagine if that was happening for 50 years, like in pockets more and more and up and up across the country, you know, we would actually have political capital. People would actually know who we are so that they would have something to say about us when we do run for bigger office, but they have no frame of reference. They don't know who we are. They don't know what we are. So, you know, that's been a big, 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 big mistake in my opinion. And, and the word that I use repeatedly in that document is trust. We talk so much about ideas, but we don't understand psychology. Uh, and, and we don't understand what makes people tick. People do not, like I said, we're the, the, the crazy nerds here. And, and, um, you know, people aren't like us where it's like every aspect of how I view politics must be cohesive and logically consistent. People don't do that. Not normally. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, um, 
there's some really fascinating work out there uh, by Jonathan Haidt about the connection between general personality type and political association. And there is a tight agreement or a, a tight association, I mean. And, and what he found, and he included libertarians in these studies. And what he found is that libertarians are um, low in agreeableness the way that conservatives are. But we're also high in openness the way that liberals are. Um, and then also like uh, liberals were, were low in disgust response. Not all libertarians, but like – but. It's important to understand these things to see what makes conservatives tick or what makes liberals tick. Um, and that that's how we're going to kind of build that trust. But it's also going to be that because there's not that many of us, like the amount of work per person that's going to be on our shoulders is a lot compared to the armies that they have. You know, like if you are the only libertarian in your town – you have got to get to city council and start lobbying for whatever issue could could work, you know, whether that be gun sanctuaries or whatever. And then you become the doer and you're not a joke anymore. You know, they might still look at the party that way, but like you now have a, a, a base from which you can say, no, this is what we're about. This is what we do. This is what we want and just move forward with it. Yeah, man. And we did get, you know, a couple people followed this recipe, this last election cycle and we got a Meacock mayor and uh, Bill Schultz was elected to city council, got um, Thomas Massey's endorsement, which I thought was yep. huge. Um, following this, this plan of going, you know, hype, hyper local and um, oftentimes not even partisan races, you know, so you can kind of, it's not as sexy, right? Everybody knows that, but like it is what needs to be done. It is the long-term strategy to, to literally like get into your community Mix it up with these people and gradually over time interject a little bit and maybe stave off the state where you can in in the process, right? Right. So we have a campaign that we're running to, to funnel people into this. So runislibertarian.com, you know, that's where you got to go. And, and what we do there is that's where we're bringing candidates and campaign managers uh, in. But so, like we've been doing two trainings a month for about three months now. Um, you know, we're getting people ready to go out and do this work. Um, and, and yeah, it's something like 250 candidates or I'm sorry, 180 candidates and, and 90 campaign managers, something like that. Um, and, uh, yeah, like that's, that's what's going to have to happen. Now you also mentioned the take human action tour because so project decentralized revolution is essentially a, a one, two punch of programs. Like punch one is what we just described with run as libertarian going local and all of that. The other punch, and this kind of goes back to why we added um, prong four or liberty culture. You know, people love to in, in the libertarian sphere, they love to argue strategy. Obviously, you know, do we do we do the Republican strategy? Do we do the LP strategy? Do we do the agorist strategy? You know, do we just uh, say fuck everything and make money? Um, you know, all of that stuff. Um I'm of the opinion that whichever of those strategies is right is irrelevant and none of them will work. Not one of them will work if there is not a healthy and robust community effort uh, or, or community, like community, essentially a community uh, component to this whole thing, because community is going to be the thing that holds us together no matter how bad things get or how, or no matter how we fail. You know what I mean? Because if you have a community, community is the thing from which culture emerges 
and 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 forms bonds. So like if we if we form and we already have a nationwide community of people. That's the thing that makes it different when you come to Mises Caucus events versus LP events. Like we have that that animation, that spirit, and and you can feel it and you can see it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, anybody who was at the convention knows what I'm talking about. Anybody who was at, at uh, the Texas events or the Pittsburgh events or, you know, or the California events, they know what I'm talking about. And um, so we have got to do our best to cultivate that and grow that and strengthen that. And that's what the Take Human Action Tour is all about, is we're, we're bringing out the biggest stars of the liberty movement from Dave Smith to Tom Woods to Maj Torre, Scott Horton, Daniel McAdams, Michael Bolden, uh, you know, Patrick Newman, Jonathan Newman, Gene Epstein. Like we're bringing uh, a whole cross section of, of the liberty movement. Michael Rechtenwald is coming out, um, you know, to, to six different cities around the country to uh, bring that cross section of the movement together, have a good time together and, you know, recruit as many people as uh, from it as we can both into the party as well as into, um, you know, this, this project decentralized revolution strategy. So not only will uh, we have these speaking events, but there's also going to be free candidate in-person candidate trainings the Sunday after the event. That's a really uh, bold endeavor, Mike. It's what must be done. <laughs> um, yeah, it's great. Yeah, you are going to the city centers. Um, eight of them. It, it's looking like right now could change. Maybe more. Maybe less. Who knows? As um, of right now, and we need we're we're seeking sponsors. Um, so go to Project Decentralized Revolution and hit us up, or or throw some money. And right now, it's looking like um, it's it's proposed for eight. As of right now, I'm preparing for it to be six. Um, so we're looking for sponsors if we want to get Indiana and Oklahoma City. Um, on the docket. Um, you know, we do have six hotels ready to go and, and locked in and all of that. The take human action tour.com should be up in a couple few days with where tickets will be available, all that stuff. Um, and the first event will be on April 1st in New York. Okay. When's the last one? Last one. Uh, well, it depends on if we get, uh, end of May, I think May 27th is the last one, unless we get Oklahoma city and, uh, indiana on it then it will be the end of june you're knocking them out like weekend 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 it's got to be early enough in the year to where people can come through and get trained and still have time to run a meaningful campaign see this is what i'm talking about man this is beautiful you can go out you can have some fun you can learn and you can enter your community like learn what to do (laughs) take that information back to your community and man Take some human action. I'm telling you, it's a great tagline, but I actually like followed that mantra. If anybody out is watching, like you do meditations like every day, like when you start telling yourself something every day, if you practice gratitude every day, or you tell yourself to take human action, you get into the motherfucking universe every day and try and affect something every day. Like that has a really positive, right? There you go, buddy. <laughs> it's going to have really, really positive effects on your life. And I recommend it because um, no sense being a spectator. Why watch a program when you can write your own story? That's the it's the best. So I'm I'm excited about this, man. I'll try to go to New York. I'm definitely going to go to the uh, anti-war rally next month. I'll see you yeah, there. Man. And I mean, that's not part of the Take Human Action tour, but I, I right, still, right. you know, that's um, I still consider that part of the docket, so to speak. So you got you got uh, the Rage Against War uh, rally, RageAgainstWar.com in DC on February 19th. That's kicking the whole season of events off. Um, you know, that's going to be huge. And then, um, then the tour starts and, you know, I'm actually really happy. We're going to be at the blockchain center in, in New York. 
um, that I, I was really happy to be able to get that venue, man. Um, beautiful. So yeah, man. Yeah. We're, we're going to be hitting the ones that we are hitting are New York, Chicago, Nashville, had to change it from Knoxville to Nashville. Um, Oakland, California, Denver, and uh, oh no, why, why am I forgetting the last one? Austin, Texas. There you go. That'll be a good one. That'll probably be Angela's spot. Yep. Shout out to her. She's doing a great job. Um, man, yeah, the whole party is just. I'm, you know, I have a low time preference. I I was not expecting anything to happen immediately. Certainly with a party that didn't do anything for fifty years. Um, Anytime I see somebody like Reason Magazine go, well, if you don't get everything in the next year or two, would you consider it a failure? No. No, I wouldn't. <laughs> I absolutely would not. They, they don't even believe that. They don't believe I know that. They they're, don't. In, they're invested in their narrative. And, and so they're invested in making right. us look bad because, because we are bucking their, their PC narrative nonsense and we essentially took the political asset away from that wing of the libertarian sphere. Um, right. They have to thumb their nose at us now. Yes, they um, do. But but here's what I think, and I see this very very much so in that first interview that I did with them, and you know, looking even at the comments on this uh, newer one, um, I think Reason is out of step with their audience. They absolutely I, I are. do. They yeah. do. Okay, listen, I put out a, a poll on my Twitter page, the Reason Magazine Mises Caucus, a couple weeks ago. You can probably go find it, uh, and I asked, "What best describes Reason in your view?" And the first option was, you know, like a fine publication or something like that. And the next one was controlled opposition. And then the other one was just out of, out of touch and out of touch one, but by like, (laughs) it was like, it was like, you know, like one percentage point, fine publication got like 2% and the rest, the rest of the people were like, no, it's either controlled opposition or they're just out of touch. But either way, the results seem to be kind of the same. Um, I want better out of Reason Magazine. And when I say that they have a lot of reach and that they're the biggest institution, trust me, that is not because I believe that happened naturally. It's because I they still are, agree. Why don't we why don't we hash that out? Why do you believe that? Because they have the most Coke money. Coke money inflated it through the 80s, 90s, and that is where mainstream DC libertarians go to dump their money to control the narrative. So if you want it to maintain like a kind of lefty tilt. Then dump your money in reason. And when you, you go think? on Facebook and you ask who you want to donate your money to, it'll only give you it won't give you Mises Institute. It'll tell you, well, here, check out. Who reason. do you think more people have heard of? Or or what do you think more people have heard of? Ron Paul or Reason magazine? Oh, but again, unquestionably, Ron Paul. Okay, that's a serious on your argument here. <laughs> like uh, no, no, no. but Ron Paul is not an institution. They it doesn't matter. Hang on. You you said that the, the representative of libertarianism. I'm okay, telling I, you, I, let me, I mean, let me correct and, that. And, I'll, I'll, I'll concede that immediately. I'll concede that Reason Magazine hasn't even contributed to the culture a fraction of, in the past, let's say, 20 years, 30 years, what Ron Paul has. Um, but as far as the layman, if you were to ask, like you said, people don't know what we're doing. We're the nerds. If you were to ask them, hey, man, when you think of uh, libertarianism, they'll probably say Ron Paul. But if not Ron Paul, they're, they're going to say Reason Magazine or, or Cato maybe because those are – They're going to say most, Rand Paul if not Ron Paul. I'm but that's, telling, I, that's, I, that's at least incorrect. That doesn't even – so, I mean? Right, but would you, put it this way. Would you, which would you prefer, Reason or Rand? This is, this is a different question though. Like I agree with you that 
What's better for the liberty movement, Rand Paul or reason? Rand Paul. Rand Paul is better for the liberty movement than them. But what I'm telling you is that libertarianism and reason are like intrinsically tied together. And that's unfortunate because they do us such a disservice. Well, maybe maybe something new can emerge. Uh, a, a new Liberty Network can emerge. Oh, and, uh, shitty with the titties and they're coming again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm talking about. I'm coming to get that magazine and your leather jacket, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, this has been great. Um, I'm really, like I said, man, we've been talking a lot lately. Um, I'm focused on this. The local party is doing great. We're buying all kinds of megaphones and tents. We're branding. Like everybody's doing this across all the states. It's just, it's great. I'm upgrading like, my space from what you, the clips that you showed in the. Oh, I haven't the, even co- complimented you on that yet. Fantastic. <laughs> Audio, visual, everybody. I guarantee you this is, yeah, this is a serious upgrade for you. And um, <laughs> you, well, you need it, man. You represent all of us. So yeah. I, I assure you, everybody up until tonight, this was a fucking slob. <laughs> <laughs> Complete makeshift operation until just now. Um, no, bro. You know, I'm playing with you, but um, as an audio geek yeah that made me really happy that everything sounds crispy looks great the camera's killing it you got ron paul in the back you can see his smile uh some nice lighting there yeah ron, ron paul metal and uh and uh psilocybin. psilocybin that's it that's the trifecta right there right? although although this one right here is not metal but close enough close enough you got some of your favorite bands on there ron paul your favorite books yeah bro you got the studio going um Mike, tell everybody one more time where they can run for run as libertarian.com, right? If you want to run for run, office. Yeah, run as libertarian.com. That'll get you in uh, and we'll start linking you up with trainings. We're doing two trainings every month. Uh, we've been doing uh, trainings with the uh, Leadership Institute. We've been doing trainings with elected Meekhawks uh, who have already won the types of offices that we're targeting. Uh, we're doing trainings with uh, software providers, like political software providers. Um, soon we're going to be doing trainings with grassroots leadership Academy, probably young Americans for Liberty after that. Um, you know, so we, we've got training on training, um, twice a month. Uh, and this, I mean, there was some training going on, but nothing like this, uh, where you got it twice a month online. We got it coming to six, uh, six cities around the country in person. Um, so run as libertarian.com get trained. And then not only we get trained, but like when the time comes for the actual campaigns to start, we will start routing you to, you know, volunteers on the ground to get you door knockers, to get you over that hump, man. So run as libertarian.com project, decentralized revolution.com. So, uh, you know, read the, uh, to check out the whole strategy and, um, you know, keep your eyes open for takehumanactiontour.com and buy your tickets. They're going to be competitively priced to, you know, just to get people out there. We're going to be losing money on them. You know, this isn't a, a profit. Uh, we're hoping to get some of our costs back, but um, this is this is uh, uh, something for us to bring the community together. Um, so, you know, make sure you come out to that. And especially if you haven't been to a Mises Caucus event, if you haven't been to a Mises Caucus event, come feel the community. That's the important thing. And then you'll, you'll, if you don't get it, you'll get it after that. Damn right, man. I love this community, digital and otherwise, local and national. Um, it really is special, dude. And, you know, you're my boy. We talk all the time, but uh, I have to, while you're here, express my gratitude and just my overall sense of amazement of the, the idea that you had that turned into a Facebook group that turned into this, like, you are the you are the most successful libertarian party organizer 
there ever was. <laughs> That's fucking incredible. Rothbard. Come on, take it. Okay, all right. <laughs> I don't know, man. No, no. You know what? I don't know. Maybe a greater thinker. I'll give it. I'll give you that. But did he do more for the Libertarian Party than you did? I don't think so, bro. I don't think so. I know. Take just well, take. We got this. This shit's gotta work <laughs> first. <laughs> you take your victories when you can get them. I know we can't celebrate and you know party all the time, but what's already been done is miraculous. And as Jordan Peterson would say, dude, the potential is just limitless. And that's what's exciting. If people that have the vision and can can withstand the storm and know that it take will take a while and get harder first. Like those are the people we need. I love that you smile in the face of all this darkness, bro. And you just keep taking it on. It's, it's, it's well, beautiful. I'll, I'll quote, I'll quote immortal technique that we have to, uh, we have to live for, uh, live for a revolution instead of always dying for it. I love it, man. Mike, thank you, bro. I really appreciate you uh, coming on the show and talking about everything. And I will, uh, you know, anytime you need to talk or you need help from me, bro, you got it anytime. Appreciate you, man. I'll talk to you soon. Appreciate you, dude. Peace. Ladies and gentlemen, episode 40 in the books with the great Michael Heiss came back for a third time. What a guy. I feel like we should get him back every 15 or 20 episodes. And uh, just, um, you know, that's a big part of the show. You know, we go for every, everything from the World Economic Forum to the Libertarian Party, the global shit to the local shit. That's how we do it around here. Until next time, my friends, um, you know, stay easy. Stay chillin', try and enjoy life, and um, yeah, fuck Klaus Schwab. Now that the smoke's gone.